Yes, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new Rugby Muscle Podcast Q&A edition. This is the first edition or first Q&A edition I've done in a while. I'm your host, as always, TJ, and today I will be rattling through some questions, some pretty good questions, actually, that I've been that I've received on the Rugby Muscle Athletes Facebook page. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get through them. Before we do get started, though, I will say that if you're listening to this on the podcast, of course, go and join the Rugby Muscle Athletes Facebook page. Uh, just answer the few questions that you can do to get in. That way I can answer them here on the live Q&As. Or if you have any questions once you're in the group, you can ask them at any to, you know, dive deep into them using these Q&As. And that's why I really do enjoy doing them is because I get to you know, actually take a, a bit of a deeper dive into uh, answering the questions. It's a lot. You can get a lot more detail on these Q and A's than you could ever can do on like a Instagram post or something like if you just ask it and I've got to like write a comment or like a Reddit thread or whatever like this, we can sort of <clears throat> run through different scenarios and really outlay like the the uh, spectrum of options that you have available to you and and get away from this black and white thinking that is plaguing uh, a lot of guys with the way they're trying to treat their training and nutrition. Uh, if you are on the Facebook group and if you're watching this live, uh, like I say, if you have any questions that you want to ask, if you ask them live on the group whilst I'm recording this video, I will get them answered today. If you're watching it post time, then you can always type up any other question. I will be doing another one of these on Friday, 9 a.m. my time, which is 11 a.m. Eastern. And that means it would be 4 p.m. UK time. And that will be on Friday. And if you are watching live, always give it a thumbs up. It helps um, helps out massively. Uh, helps up the helps it arrive on people's Facebook feeds, and therefore they can get help. Um, helps uh, promote the group as well, and all that good stuff. If you're watching it on the YouTube, always give it a thumbs up as well. Also, it really helps out the algorithm. If you're listening to this on the podcast, and of course, you probably heard me say this before. Go and give us a five-star review. Really does help spread the show. Um, got some good guests lined up coming on to the show soon. So the more that you do that, the more I can help out, or the more awesome guests I can get on the show, and the more I can really get into a groove of getting these twice-a-week podcasts out. Uh, five-star reviews are awesome, and you also get a free uh, consultation or one free month of Team Rugby Muscle. And this week, DCBLKman320 will be getting that if he reaches out and lets me know because he gave us a five-star review. It's a great podcast. I'm a former player and have started competitive powerlifting. This podcast is great at bridging power slash strength training with athletic training, which is kind of exactly what I want to do, really. So that's awesome. Look forward to more podcasts in the future because that's essentially what we're trying to do. We're trying to give your training a purpose. Um, if you're listening to this podcast, if you found this podcast, you've probably have some sort of interest in already going to the gym and want to really try and get it towards like more athletically minded and what i've seen the more i've been doing this podcast recently and the more i've been doing um a lot of my team rugby muscle stuff you realize that you guys are 99.9 percent of the guys that pay attention to this stuff um are amateur players you have jobs so a lot of the strength and conditioning advice that you get from like professional rugby players sometimes or professional rugby teams professional rugby athletes sometimes doesn't apply so i like to think that we at rugby muscle give a bit of a unique twist to that so without further ado and long intros out of the way let's get into the questions shall we uh firstly we have 
Where did it go? There it is. Okay. Jake says, thanks, TJ. I'm a back three trying to make a comeback after three years away from the game. What breakdown of days in the gym, lifting, and days on the pitch, sprinting, footwork per week would you recommend? So this does massively – this is where exactly the point I talk about when we um, really discuss like amateur versus professional. Really, as an amateur, like as someone that's trying to get back into rugby after three years off, it depends. It depends on how often you've been going to the gym already. If you've been going to the gym quite consistently, you could probably, like say you've been going four or five times a week, you could probably take two of those sessions out, replace them with field sessions, um, do some good tempo runs, do some good aerobic work, do some good plyometric work, um, power work, landing mechanics, agility work, that sort of thing. Two or three days a week, that would be fine. And then you could just, like sort of uh, keep your gym and your lifting work on maintenance whilst you prepare to get back to training. Um, if you've not been doing anything, then just whatever you can, you know, maybe it's two a week in the gym and then two a week on the field. And if those two a week in the field also coincide with your team training, that could work quite well. You can do, I, li- I do really uh, like to tell guys that if they're doing, you know, if you've got your Tuesday, Thursday, traditional rugby day training sessions, it can be a good idea to show up 30 minutes early. Um, oh, what's happened here? My Google Notes is trying to... Okay, go away. Uh, you can get 30 minutes early to to the uh, field and like do whatever you want, really. like You could do a temp. You could do a nice aerobic session there before you've already got your aerobic work in. Chances are that if it's a team session, you're going to get a good bit of conditioning in anyway. So sometimes it's best to, for the 30 minutes before, you could do uh, your speed work whilst you're nice and fresh. You're getting some quality speed work. Then when you finish your speed work, you're, you're already fresh, like you're warm, and you're primed almost ready to get into your team session same thing for like power work if you were doing like agility work and stuff like that um or even if you were doing things like uh, i've got one guy who's w- wants to work on his tackle technique um because he's you know been worried about since we've been in lockdown he hasn't practiced any tackling he's had a bit of a bum shoulder anyway and you can just get if you can get a buddy in there you can just get reps on like low level technique and this is something that nobody does at a uh, lower level at least you know, we, we, we tend just to learn how to tackle kind of, like not, not even really, but sort of learn how to tackle and then take it for granted that that's it and then we just get into a game. Like you can just, you can spend 10 minutes just doing as many repetitions as you can with perfect technique at like 40 to 60% level um, and really get your technique down. Same thing for rucking, all that sort of stuff. And uh, I think there's been some good videos of, uh, uh, what's his name? Is it Andre Venter? This uh, South African coach who used to coach Saracens, and he, he, one of his big things was like the best thing that you can do to really get good at a clean out and get like good fast ball for your team is to practice rucking at a really low intensity. And it sounds strange coming from a strength and conditioning coach who's you know you know you think that my job is to get guys doing as much as they can in the gym to prove how valuable the gym is for your rugby. But if you can't um, if, if you struggle to really be able to like do a significant uh, impact in your ruck, maybe it's not because you're strong enough. Maybe it's just because your technique is poor. Same thing for tackling. Um, I know there was, there's a question that I've been asked a few times on this, and a couple of weeks back we did it on the live Q&A about making big tackles and making big hits. And really, a lot of that can be down to timing. And I, I, I definitely need – I've got a good post – 
that I'll put up on the Instagram, TJ underscore rugby about that, but how, because uh, I've got a good video of someone who weighs no more than 80 kilos and he smashes someone because it's about timing. It's about technique. It's not just about um, being massive and being powerful. Obviously, that stuff helps, but technique also does play an important part and just forgetting about that would, you know, it would spite you. It wouldn't help you with your rugby game. Um, now, going back to the original, the question, like, it really does depend on what you need. If you need, if you, if you're a back three and you've been out of the game for three years, I think you probably need to do some sprinting work um, because it's just not something that you do in day-to-day life, depending on what your job is. Or if you have a job, if you don't have a job, maybe you steal from people for a living and maybe you do a lot of sprints. But outside of that, like, or if you're late for the bus all the time, like, there's not many applications in day-to-day life where we are like engaged in sprinting as fast as we can and then even in a like a rugby game outside of being in the back three like if you're any of the backs i guess maybe but if you're if you're a prop the chances are you never get to full tilt sprinting because it's just not something that you need you never have the space to be able to do it when it's kick chase you're focused on keeping up with the line like you just don't get to a top end sprint whereas back three you do i think with three years um being out of the game like you really want to make sure that your hamstring is strong enough and not just by doing stuff in the gym but also practicing sprinting um and don't for the love of god do not go back in and do your very first sprint session and go as fast as you can because that's asking for a hamstring injury um i actually to finish this off i'd say if you're doing sprint work i think that's something you should really definitely find time find find time for um and even better would be to find a hill to sprint on to begin with. And as the weeks go by, like this is obviously in an ideal world, but you would go on like a, a shallower and shallower and shallower hill week by week by week. And then maybe by like week four, you're on a flat surface and you are sprinting. And, and there, therefore, you're sort of building your hamstring um, risk into it as you get stronger and as you get more used to it and that would be a perfect way to do it obviously otherwise you could just go on a hill and then maybe do like five on a hill five flat um and then eventually build up to a point where you're doing 10 sprints flat and then if you're doing sprint work again make sure that you are resting and recovering perfectly in between rounds so it's not um uncommon to do uh, like a 50 to 60 meter sprint that might even be too much but like a 50 if it's a 60 meter it'd probably be like 40 meter build up and then a 20 minute meter as fast as you can and then you rest for like a minute and a half and it seems like you're you're not really doing too much but if you're really sprinting as fast as you can you'll need that rest because you need to be able to sprint as far as you can it's not a conditioning session it's a sprinting session and i really think that that's something that you would need to really engage in and then just get back into it like don't waste too much time. Don't try and overthink it. Um, make sure you are a part of a club. That's one of the biggest things I see that people are trying to, when they try and make a comeback, they want to get in a perfect shape before they join their team. And then they, you know, they put it on such a pedestal. You, you're better off just getting involved with your team as soon as you can, because there's going to be unfit guys on every amateur team. So, you know, as long as you're working on it, even if you show up really out of shape, and then six weeks time, you're in you're in much better shape. They're going to appreciate that more than if you just showed up in great shape because you're like, oh god, this guy. It means a lot to this guy. And, that, and then you're also ingrained with the culture of the boys. You're in, you're enjoying a team, um, and you've got more reps with the skill of the game of rugby. Cool. Now that one. All right. Next question. Let me just check on the live feed see if we are still rocking and rolling. No comments so far. 
boys we can always give those thumbs up that does really help out the uh or help let me know that we are going through this seamlessly which is i mean it's already not because i i had an error trying to even read that question so seamless for a, a three-week break eh um next question we have is joe edwards he says, hey, TJ, I'd like to know what you'd recommend for building endurance and cardio. Tempo work is always going to be my favorite. Um, I have 50 free rugby conditioning sessions that you can pick up uh, at rugby-muscle.com. I reckon just just go do that. Just go download that one. Pick out the best ones that you can. There's an explanation of exactly why rugby, we've set out the sessions that we have and why rugby like isn't just about doing like tabatas or interval pointless interval work like every session that we've nailed out it targets a specific energy system that will uh, make you a better rugby player not just work hard um, make sure that you understand that rugby is aerobic and then download those sessions and go from there justin says uh, i know a good flanker should have ball carrying skills when we attack how can i improve leg drive when i get contact from the opponent should I spend more time on power sessions, hand clean, snatch, etc.? Great question. So, and this is what I talk about when I when I say we can get in depth because this is a really good question because it's like this is something that I specifically want to improve. How do I go about doing that? And the traditional like, and it's not a bad thought to say like I want to work like power cleans and snatches, etc. But um, and I I think that's quite a good way to do it. Like any sort of weighted power is a good way to build explosivity in the legs. Like it there's there's three sort of spectrums of power work that we want to look at in the gym or or ways to develop power right number one it's just heavy work so you've got like you know squats or deadlifts but you you want to be kind of explosive but you know uh, squat variations deadlift variations uh, any sort of leg pressing variations even could work where you're going for um, a set of like five or three to eight they're heavy but they're explosive that's going to build good power because it's going to build strength which will help you your power then there is also like the plyometric style of things like your jumps um jump work can be perfect but like reactive jumps where you're dropping off a bench and you're jumping back up or just low level just jumps medicine ball throws um really like explosive lifts but really it's all the sort of jumping variations and they're unweighted and really you're focusing on just speed even sprints could work like hill sprints could work for that power variation and then you've got something like sort of in the middle right where we've got like weighted power and most of the time people are drawn towards the olympic lifts and i think um i've said before my favorite olympic lift is just a hang snatch because technically it doesn't to get the benefit from it it doesn't require too much no you're not going to look like someone that's on the olympics doing a, a snatch with a perfectly overhead squat but that's not the point that's not why you're doing it you're not olympic lifting to be on the in the olympics you're doing the olympic lift to get a faster or become more explosive and become a better rugby player and so that means that you can't really muscle it up with a snatch whereas a lot of cleans i can see people and i've done it myself where you load up the weight um, and then you just butcher your technique and it ends up being like a big heavy sort of reverse curl and it's ugly and there's no explosion there whereas a snatch you kind of have to extend and explode so hang snatches are good for the weighted power but also i like um, weighted jump squats um, whether the barbell's on your back it's a little bit of pressure on your lower back potentially but if you if you um, have good solid landing mechanics and you're not being a dickhead with the weights you're going to be fine 
Um, I also like split squat jumps um, and uh, explosive lunge variations. Those weighted power movements are going to be really good to develop power, especially for the leg drive. But overall, I think with the leg drive, um, to develop a good leg drive in contact, I think that you can do or, or something that's really undervalued, especially with the amateur players, because you know you're just going to the gym and you're following like your standard strength templates or your standard bodybuilding templates or men's fitness templates. There's not a lot of core in there, and as an athlete, you really want to target your core musculature. This isn't talking about trying to you know do crunches and develop a six pack. It's talking about developing your, your midsection to really stay strong and resist like flexing, resist, like stay up and tight. Um, so and, and resist twisting, turning, all this sort of manipulation because that's essentially what if you can keep a strong core, then you're able to transfer your weight in the direction that you want it to go. If you if you've got a weak core and someone sort of half grabs your arm or grabs you around the shoulder or grabs you around the hip and they try and pull you, then you're going to be manipulated into the direction that they want to pull you in. It's going to off balance you and eventually you're going to get brought down. Whereas if you've got a really strong core, it's like, you know, you're pushing out a leg press. You can push a lot more weight when you leg press than if you were squatting on a BOSU ball, right? And the stronger your core is, the more like a leg press that your leg drive in a contact situation is going to be. You're, you're, the people, the other forces and the other, your opponents trying to pull you in different directions is going to have less of an effect, which means you can really drive your legs straight and, and, and fire through contact. Um, core work is massive. There's a, uh, I've done a really good article on rugby dump, which I, I should update, but if you just type in TJ rugby muscle core, you'll see all our different variations. We've also done a podcast on all different core variations that you can do. Um, but strong, heavy planks, single arm farmers carries, um, dead bugs, uh, single arm farms holds are great. Uh, side planks, any anti-rotation, any anti-flexion stuff works great. Um, and then torture twists. I'm going to put a video up. I'm going to set myself a reminder here, actually. So now I've done that. You will see a video on torture twists shortly on TJ underscore rugby on the Instagrams. Or I'll do a full video on the YouTubes as well, rugby muscle. They are fantastic movements to really develop your core stability, core strength as well. It's not just about being stable. So like holding five-minute planks isn't as useful as holding a 20 to 30-second plank with a shit ton of weight on you or, or with a really long lever or holding a torture twist like with a really heavy weight. So develop your core there, Justin, and you'll be fine. Hi guys, I just wanted to jump in here to tell you that if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to become a better athlete, then you can go ahead and visit rugby-muscle.com and pick up any of our free goodies. That is uh, the 50 free rugby conditioning sessions, the physique nutrition crash course video series, the supplement guide, and newly added is a macro calculator. Yes, that's right, a macro calculator where you will be able to work out your protein, carbs, fat, and calories that you should be eating on a daily basis to give you a guide as to where to start your diet from. This will help in conjunction with your 50 free conditioning sessions to build you out a decent little plan that will enable you to take control of your training and use effective training and nutrition to become a better athlete. All that stuff and more can be found at rugby-muscle.com or rugby-muscle.com forward slash macros for the macro breakdown. Next question is from, ah, Brett. Um, we might finish this because we've got about 20 minutes to go, but I want to give a bit of a deep dive into this. He says, 
Has anyone tried CBD oil? Is it any good? A friend of mine owns um, CBD, one of the best CBD oil suppliers out there. Should I try it? Would you? He said, if you use uh, King141, you'll get a discount. I'm not going to give out discount codes for CBD oil. I think that's just so unbelievably Instagram influencer-ish. It's, and this might actually build into my point about CBD oil. Um, so question is, I guess he's asking, is it any good? Real, real answer is we don't really know. Um, the, the even more pertinent answer to this question is um, probably not right now. Um, like it's just not worth your time. I think CBD oil, uh, or CBD in general, right? It, it's like the new thing because it's no one really knows what to do with it because it's a, um, it's not like something that has to be overly regulated by the FDA, like other sort of recovery tools, like uh, or, or painkillers and those sorts of things. It's it there. It's you know people aren't really sure if it's a drug or if it's a food or if it's a something you put in your coffee or a sleep agent or whatever right and so i i the skeptic in me always gets um like you know starts raising their eyebrows when a uh supplement or ingredient or you know substance claims well number one is legal and makes such a massive claims but makes such a diverse range of claims right some people swear that it, it kills their pain. Some people swear that it decreases their inflammation. Um, some people help, says it helps them sleep. Some people says it helps them focus. Some people say it helps their digestion. Some people say that it uh, uh, focuses concentration. Some people say that it, you know, it does all of these amazing recovery, like perfect recovery things. And I just think that there is no real proof out there to say that. What there is, is a big financial incentive for people to say that it does that because, you know, these CBD manufacturers are, have such a real low level or, or such a, um, not low cost, but they have such a, uh, they, have, they have this thing that they are able to sell where they can mark up and they can make a shit ton of money on top of it. So and it's this brand new thing that can make promises um, that, you know, essentially they don't really aren't held to keep but because the companies aren't you know you're not buying through the company you're buying through the trust of an influencer that just wants to make a little bit of extra money as well and all of a sudden like cbd is like the new um i don't know fat loss pill as well the new what's the what's the uh company herbalife it's a new herbalife you know where it's a you know you've got this sort of scheme of well who's really selling it and they, they've got a really good way of being able to market and tell you all these amazing benefits um and they're just not it's something that's not really regulated which means it's you know you should be really cautious about trying it um people that say that they have seen studies and that there are studies out there that say that it is has a lot of different benefits the studies that show benefits are number one either in um people that have like really 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 poor health um this doesn't apply to people like you and i um i'm assuming that you're not watching this you know suffering you know in in the icu right now or you know regularly visiting the hospital with 
massive health problems. If you're if you're fa- fairly healthy, there's not really anything to say. You know, it's it's something that could get someone from like ten percent or twenty percent health up to like fifty or sixty. But if you're listening to this podcast, if you're on the Facebook group, if you're someone that's fairly active, you're already going to be minimum like fifty or sixty, right? It just doesn't give you that extra benefit. It doesn't doesn't add that to once you're there. It's, it's something that helps lower level or like real bit bad sickness. The other thing about CBD is well, actually there's two more things about CBD. Uh, the other thing is um, the dosages that are required to make a big difference are a fraction. Or, or they give you a fraction of the doses that dosages that they are required. Like, um, it then becomes really expensive. Like, yes, you can say that. Um, uh, no, you can't say that at all. Like, it's just the fact that they, they, the studies that show that it gives you a big benefit have about ten, if not twenty, if not more times the amount of dose that they recommend to, you know, the little drops that they recommend to put on your tongue or in your coffee or whatever. Um, and so if you're just giving yourself like a massive underdose, like if you're having half a gram of creatine every day, when the dose to really make it effective is like five to seven grams every day, you're not really going to get the benefit. Same thing with CBD, which then drives up the cost, right? Which means it's more expensive for you. Um, and then therefore, and, and that with the benefit already being fairly negligible, it becomes something that's rather than it's something, oh, this I get this because it's easy and it's cheap and it's just a few drops. Well, now that you need 50 drops, it means it's not easy or, or cheap. It's expensive and you still don't really know if it's giving you a benefit. There are just much other methods uh, that are, are way better. Um, on that note, another thing that uh, CBD does is like, the one thing it may be, I can I can see it having some efficacy is that it helps you sleep, um, but then and then it gives you all the benefits of helping you sleep. But I think getting into a good I've I've said this before getting into a good sleeping routine. If if we could sell sleep, um, and if there was a a drug that affected you as much as sleep does, I would make millions because it, it does everything. It helps you lose fat it helps you stay less hungry it helps you helps you have more energy helps you have more focus helps you build muscle recover better uh it helps when you eat it actually helps partition the nutrients more effectively to build muscle and burn fat um what else does it do it helps your mental state i said it helps you focus but it helps you be less hungry um it helps you make better decisions it sleep 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 it helps you stay alive longer like the better sleep routine you can get ideally without assistance of other substances is going to give you the massive benefit that CBD claims to give you without the CBD. Get into a good nighttime routine, get into a nice low stress environment, sleep well, and you'll get so many more benefits than you would do with just CBD. Finally, last thing on CBD, would I'd say that um, a lot of the other things that CBD promotes being really good at um, only really works if it has thc with it that's the stuff that gets you high now i'm not going out there and saying that everybody should go get high uh, because it has all these benefits i'm just saying that that's like a critical part of um why cbd is beneficial it's combined with the thc and it has a good effect that you know alleviating stress um and doing all those things it's not just because of the altered state with the thc that you have it's the cbd also having effect because it binds with the thc so you know if you want the effects of being recovery and um the low stress effects and all this stuff then um 
by all means, if it is legal in your country, if it is legal where you are, um, to actually have some marijuana and you think that that's, a, that's a, something that you're comfortable with doing, you know, for a temporary period of time or for however long you want to get the benefits, then go and do that. Don't have a, uh, with the, with the notion that, uh, you must understand that that will still affect your sleep in a negative way. It help you sleep more, but it won't help you recover, uh, brain wise. You miss out on a really important sleep, um, stage three sleep where, which is your REM sleep. If you are, if you, if you have, if you have to have marijuana to be able to sleep, yes, you get better deep sleep, but it doesn't help you the full spectrum of what sleep gives you. So in summary, uh, should you try it? No. Um, there's just much, so many better options, so many things that are worth um, investing your time, energy, and money into that will give you a guaranteed benefit before CBD even comes into the equation. Uh, there are people, there are going to be people that come at me for saying that because they swear by CBD. Carry on. I firmly in the, of the belief that there are so many, like, I just think there are so many other things that you could do would give you a much greater exponentially better output on your progress, your results, your recovery, all that sort of stuff than CBD. And the last thing I will say, actually, sorry, one more thing on all recovery, um, sort of, uh, products, tools, etc. Remember that when you're training, especially if you're training like in a preseason off season environment where you're trying to grow muscles, you're trying to promote change that inflammation sometimes more often than not especially like intramuscular inflammation but the inf like any sort of inflammation because if you've got something that's anti-inflammatory yes it might help out like your gut or whatever but it's also going to remove the inflammation from uh around your musculature which is necessary it's something that is beneficial you have inflammation uh your body it, that's your body's mechanism to like create a little building site where it's going to come in repair the damaged muscle but then also make it stronger so that it can lift more the next time. So, so it has less chance of being damaged. And that's kind of what we do with like weight training um, and just training in general is that we challenge the muscle. Then the muscle gets inflamed, creates a little building site, gets a little bit stronger, becomes adapted, gets better for the next time. If you sh circumvent that process, if you get rid of that inflammation and you get rid of that building site or you make that building site go faster, you put pressure on them. You say, look, we've got a faster deadline here. We want to get rid of this information. Then you only get back to base. You don't get back and become stronger or make those adaptations. And therefore you're like, what's the point of training? Um, if you need to get rid of inflammation because you need to get back and play a game the next day, it's different. But if you want to just get back and train, and you want to experience the benefits of training, consider staying away from these recovery uh, tools and substances such as CBD and ooh, the other stuff. Okay, I've ranted on that question for far too long. Um, let me know. Again, five-star reviews. Ask any questions. Um, I can go deeper in that uh, if that confused you. Um, if, it, if you understand that, again, let me know. Um, and then we will answer one more question because we have time. We've got 10 minutes there. Let's see the live. Yeah, we're still going strong. Good. All right. Luke says, hey, man, I only just discovered the podcast. Where you been, man? We've been going for a few years. 
Uh, he says, I'm currently making my way through all the previous episodes. Okay, then, yeah, awesome. Uh, I know you're a fan of full body workouts, and I find they suit my lifestyle perfectly. However, they seem to be the least covered workouts of any on bodybuilding gym sites. Yeah, 100%. Do you have any basic principles or useful advice for building my own full body? Oof. Um, I tell you what, Luke, I'm going to answer this on Friday's q and I'll start out the Q&A by answering this question because I really want to go in depth because there are so, there, it's, you know, it, there is a, there is a system that I kind of use and I want to get into it on that podcast. So I'll save that for, I'll save that for Friday. It's, I think you'll just get more value out of it. I'm going to, so I'm just going to move that. And then instead we will answer Anthony's question who asks, um, which is better for athletic performance, trap bar deadlifts or straight bar deadlifts? He corrected that because he asked me on the Instagram and he just said trap bar or straight bar. And I was like, you talking about deadlifts or what are you talking about? Because <laughs> uh, trap bar squats are kind of bloody awkward. He said trap bar deadlifts or straight bar deadlifts. Switch them up, but I'd like to prioritize one over the other. Any thoughts? Um, no, <laughs> there is not one that is better. Um, whatever you have most access to um, is going to give you the best results the the problem sometimes that you have with trap bars um so they've all got both both variations have a pro have a few pros a few cons um the trap bar deadlifts let's run through the cons so negative of trap bar deadlifts is trap bars aren't always available so yeah if you're married to only doing a trap bar deadlift and and then you go away for a month or you go away for a few weeks or your gym just doesn't have them um, you can't do them, right? It's just an awkward piece of equipment. Um, mm. It also can sometimes actually put pressure on the lower back and the hips because people have a habit of like, when you stand up with a deadlift, you're supposed to stand up, squeeze the glutes so that there becomes a straight line between your uh, ankle or your heel and your shoulder, right? Some people, I don't know why they do this and I see it in so many different deadlifts, but they finish their deadlift, they get that straight line and then they just arch and they lean back like Fat Joe, um, they just lean back. And I'm like, what are you doing? All you're doing is putting pressure on your lower back doing that. And that's with both trap bars and straight bars. The problem with the, the trap bar doing that is that you can go too far back and you can really put pressure on that lower back. Um, so if you're not overly technical and you have and, and you, you do that bad technique and you try and lean back a little bit, you could go too far and you really put some damage in your lower back. Um, apart from that, like, it's a little bit more awkward to do, uh, to like dial in your grip, uh, especially if you're using the straps, like it's just a lot more awkward to do. And sometimes like for the most part, once you get a, a good, strong deadlift, your grip is probably going to be the thing that holds you back. And that's okay because your fingers go figure are a little bit smaller than your legs. And so you could push more weight with your legs than you can hold onto with your fingers. And that's fine. Like once you get to the real top end, I'm not saying get a weak grip and use like straps or everything and say that's a good excuse. I'm just saying that they have their place. And if you're really trying to work the deadlift heavy, you're going to inevitably have to use some straps at some point or some grip assistance. And sometimes with trap bars, that can be a little bit awkward. Um, I also like, I think the range of motion, especially when you're grip, gripping that like high handle is just a little bit too little. Like it, you don't get as anywhere near as much work as you would do with a straight bar if you're gripping on that high handle. But other than that, they're a really good movement. Um, 
and you know it does take a little bit of pressure out the lower back because the weight isn't that like it's only going to be a few centimeters further forward on the on a straight bar but those few centimeters like if you're putting you know a couple hundred kilos on the bar that's going to make a big significant difference in terms of how much pressure goes through your lower back um and how much more technical the deadlift the movement has to be um now if we're talking about positives of the trap bar it's you know uh, it's like very good that you don't need to do too much technique you're just going to stand between the heck you know stand in the middle of that hexagon or whatever shape it is grab the handles stand up pretty intuitive it's quite good um keep a nice straight back you can probably because of those few centimeters that you save yourself having it um be uh, like either side of your legs rather than those few centimeters further forward you can load up a little bit more weight you can also get into a lot more of a squat with that um and that's both a negative and a positive right because it's probably um not as efficient to do a squat and it's not as like applicable to being a stronger athlete because you you want to get strong in that hinge position you should squat for squats rather than deadlift for getting stronger squats um you want to get strong in that hinge position. So you want this to be a hip dominant movement. You want there to be a lot more movement in your hips than there are in your knees. And sometimes when you're doing a trap bar, a lot of people can go to that. This is going to end up being a negative, but it wasn't supposed to be. It just means that you can do different variations without the bar getting in your way. Um, uh, you can also do trap bar deadlift jumps and make an explosive movement. I do really enjoy those. Um, again, some there's debate as to whether you should drop the bar when you're at the top or you should drop the bar at all or whether if you load it up too heavy it could cause little back problems as you land but just again don't be a dickhead about it and you'll be fine um positives for the straight bar are all the opposites of the negatives right that um it's like a you know, barbell is going to be accessed in most gyms so you're able to do it it's a lot easier to get done um the other thing is that I do like the fact that the straight bar like will work your upper back as well. Like you have to get a nice strong upper back and traps to secure that um, bar in place. You also have to have a fairly strong lower back. And I think as an athlete, that's kind of important, right? Is to build out a, like when people do deadlifts for the first time uh, ever, they'll always complain like, oh, my lower back's sore. And I'm like, yes, because you've literally never fucking used it in your entire life. Um, you need to use it. You need to get strong in that position uh, to be a good athlete, but to be a good human, <laughs> you need to have a, a fairly strong lower back. You need to be strong in the hinge position. And therefore, a straight bar deadlift does have its place. And it's, you know, as long as you're technically sound enough that it's not like half a meter away from you, it's actually you pull it into your shin. The bar should ideally slide up your leg the entire way. It should be like millimeters, if not in contact with your leg the entire time up. And therefore, you're going to be like nice and close. It's going to build out those traps. It's going to build out the lower body. It's going to build out your uh, glutes, hamstrings, become a really strong movement. Um, so Anthony, I think just keep switching them back and forth. If you really want to prioritize, uh, it, again, it depends. The other thing is like, I'd say the one thing I did miss about the a positive of the trap bar deadlift over straight bar deadlift is because it doesn't tax the lower back so much. It's not as fatiguing um, on the whole body. Like just lower back movements in general, especially heavy ones, tend to like really give 
this sort of it's not CNS, but it's this sort of feeling of overall full body fatigue. And if you're in season, uh, trap bar deadlifts give you an opportunity to be able to do deadlifts whilst still being able, you know, whilst avoiding that fatigue that a, a traditional straight bar deadlift would give you. I wouldn't advise, like, I'd say probably you know, only like 67% of people in season, but a good chunk of people in season should stay away from deadlifts. Um, but maybe trap bar gives you an op- a window into being able to keep like consistently doing them um, whilst staying away from the, like whilst avoiding that fatigue that deadlifts give you. Um, so I think how I would try and do it if I would, if I had, you know, you don't even have to deadlift as an athlete. That's something that I should have probably said first up in this question, but it's something that's very important to note. Now, if you're married to doing deadlift variation year round, I think that if you just do, did uh, trap bar deadlifts, uh, in, in season, and then when you got to off season, you would go back to straight bar deadlifts, um, depending on what your goals are as well then even like because if your off-season goal was to try and put on as much muscle then maybe straight any deadlift isn't a great idea uh maybe Romanian deadlifts you know um these are the thing is I guess this is usually why I always come around to saying is that all of the all, all gym movements are just tools for the job right right tool for the right job you wouldn't use a hammer to uh open a door right Likewise, you wouldn't use a wrench to hammer in a nail. Like, depends on what the job is. And each of these movements are a tool for a job, whether that job is to get stronger, um, you know, get stronger in, in, in your leg drive, right? As you, when you're playing rugby, or whether it's to build muscle, or whether it's to, you know, some people, you know, a lot of powerlifters, their, their job is to get, a, get stronger at those lifts. Um, at the squat, at the bench, at the deadlift. Those um, tools are actually jobs in and of itself. So that sort of makes it a lot more confusing for the layperson who is just trying to become more athletic. You don't need to do a squat, bench, or a deadlift. Um, so there is no better. Um, but if I had to do, you know, if I try and give you a proper answer, Anthony, because I'm pretty sure you want a deadlift, I would say uh, trap bar in the season straight bar off season maybe a mix of both and then in pre-season depending if you're working speed then i would do uh trap bar i think probably for your benefit let's just let's just stick with trap bar uh there you go i answered the bloody question (laughs) all right and with that we'll end this podcast thank you guys so much for watching on the facebook group keep giving the thumbs up helps uh it arrive in all of people's feeds, especially as this group grows, it becomes in a smaller and smaller percentage of people's feeds. So keep giving it a thumbs up. If you're watching it on YouTube channel, you made it all the way to the end, please give us a thumbs up. And if you ask any questions in the YouTubes, I'll get answering those on the Q and A's as well. Um, and if you're not on the, if you're not in the group, Rugby Muscle Athletes on the Facebook page. Um, and with that, on the Facebook page, Rugby Muscle Athletes in your Facebook search, find the group, ask a question, say you came from the podcast or the YouTube, and I will let you in. And with that, guys, I'll see you in the next one. All right. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode of the Rugby Muscle Podcast, then I've got a quick little request and a potential prize giveaway for you if you do said request. 
All I want you to do is go to Apple Podcasts and type up a five-star review. Just your general opinions of the podcast would be great feedback, but also helps us reach higher rankings, get more exposure, allow me to attract more guests and devote more time to developing a better all-around podcast experience for you. All you have to do once again is go and give us a five-star review on whatever podcast service you use. Let me know that you've got it. And then every single week, I'll be selecting one review to give away a free prize. That free prize will be either one free month of Team Rugby Muscle. That's our world-class shank condition program app delivered directly to your phone. Or if that doesn't interest you, then we've got one free consultation where I'll, I'll go over your training program, your nutrition, and advise you how to best plan for your goals. Even if none of those things interest you, it's still doing me a solid and helping the podcast grow by going and giving us a five-star review. There's no real excuse. It takes like one minute and that helps the show out exponentially. So I'd really appreciate if you could do that. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you in the next one.